0: loving life after loss, the focus is on loving, it's a call to action, it's a description of what we do, it's an invitation, it's everything, you know. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: You clicked the record button, so I, I thought know. you knew. Sometimes
2: I'm just like <laughs> I jump at it. It's a big, it's a big circle. I just got a big click.
1: circle that you just need to push. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, welcome to uh, Work for Podcast, a podcast that's about finding fit, alignment, and purpose
1: in the workplace. Ooh, that's a very sexy intro. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So uh, work-wise, like, what's uh, any new? done
2: anything for yourself, like, you know, push things forward?
1: I mean, um, I'm about to do like a quarterly review. So that's like I did the agenda for that today. I I like this model that uh, my work has. Like, it's not a super formal thing, but every quarter you're supposed to like check in with your uh, supervisor and essentially it not be like a work call. It's more like, how's it going? Like, here are some things maybe I noticed. And then like, what's the future going to look like? it's human centered it's kind of more about you as a person, right, exactly, so it's not yeah. so it's just a better, I think a better philosophy of like how you should manage people essentially, but yeah, I, I mean it's go it's going good, like things are things are progressing, work is going all right. It's weird. I feel like time is just flying by, like I don't even know what time is anymore, really.
2: It's going to be June like tomorrow, yeah, and then, and then basically we're we're in two thousand twenty three so like yeah.
1: Have you done something? I know we've been talking a lot about mindset lately. So, is there something that you've been doing lately to keep your mindset positive and you know keep it free flowing?
2: Um, I've been you know trying to get back to starting my day with with the breath. So, going back to circular breathing for about ten to twenty minutes in the in the beginning and ending of my day, which you know is changing because we have some new routines at our house. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like today, today I got up. Oh, this was big. I and and and, and shows you how long I've been doing remote work and completely <laughs> the first time in a, like a very, very long time. I got up, I showered, I shaved, I took a walk and had breakfast before getting started. And I got dressed and like, you know, more officially. And uh, oh. yeah, there's there's a reason. There's, that's a good practice, y'all. If anyone else is kind of in that, like doldrums and needing a little bit of a kickstart get your day going
1: oh no i'm i'm totally uh just roll out of bed and then onto the computer person like it's it's a no thing i i don't know it's it's also it's it's funny you mentioned this too because i just went to the doctor the other day and um Turning i got like <laughs> no i just like for a checkup because i'm trying to be like a responsible adult now right, which is right. funny because i went not not like the typical male like,
2: that goes once every 10 years or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I told her, Oh, I haven't been to a doctor in like five years. And she's like, Oh, well you're, 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 you're healthy. It should be okay. I was like, I thought you were going to berate me and tell me that I like (laughs) need to come in like all the time. I even told Cara, I came home and I was like, I don't know why I did that. Not just now. I was just like, thought I was trying to be an adult and I was trying to be responsible. We're still in Um, pandemic
2: protocols a bit when it comes to hospitals. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I've been, and it's, I went in and I was like, my butt's starting to hurt a little bit. She's like, you need to stand up more because you sit down a lot, don't you? And I was like, yeah, I guess that. I guess that's kind of the thing now. And it's like, it's just kind of harder to like move around. And she's like, you need to stand up every thirty minutes. So I was like, that's mm-hmm. a lot, man. The standing tables, lot. man. It's a way. Yeah. Yeah, I think I might need to get a standing table. I I don't know. It's like hard because like this, the thing I have such I have like two monitors, so it's like you got to get a huge thing for it. So I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Um, but, anyways, I guess, uh, do we have a rejection letter of the week? We do.
2: Oh, we do. Okay, ready? All right. So, we do have a rejection letter of the week. This comes from one of our listeners. And thanks for sending that in. Remember, you can always email any of these acceptance letters or rejection letters will work. The number four podcast at gmail.com. But it says, thank you for your application for the lead facilitator role here at. The teacher. We enjoyed getting to know you through your biography, resume, and your video. Specifically, we appreciated your reflective nature and infallible optimism, that's nice, in working in education. At this time, we feel like your gifts more align closely with the role that we have not yet posted externally, and then they list the role title, and we'd like to move you through round one of interviews for that position instead of the lead facilitator role. And they give a little bit of description of like what that role is. Uh, If questions arise regarding the specifics, you know, or you have questions around the why we maybe didn't choose the original role you applied for, don't hesitate to reach out and we're happy to jump on a clarifying call. And if you're not interested in this alternative, we truly appreciate your consideration to join our team. Please stay connected through their social media. Our work continues to grow with respect and joy, the team.
1: I thought that was cool. That's like the best rejection letter of all time.
2: You're right. Yeah. Because you literally like, it's like a, oh, Thank you. One, thank you, which is nice. Two, right. we saw this, we see you. And yeah. instead of just saying no, it's like, actually, here's this networking piece that's already in play. And here's this alternative that we'd like you to apply for. Um, so yeah, like I thought, like I, I, when I saw that, I
1: smiled. I'm like, you got to still feel good after that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Also, it's probably a better position. It sounds like, cause if it was a lesser position, then they would just be like, well, no, like you can just get, we'll get somebody else for this. So
2: it's, it's the fit piece, right? It's that question of like, does this fit? This didn't feel like it fit in as much, but like, what about this one? This feels better. And like, again, there's that conversation around yeah, roles, responsibility and being, you know?
1: Yeah. That's always good. It's always good when somebody makes that connection at the very least. I mean, you, it's the person who's handling all this HR has all, you know, has all of these positions in front of them. They should be able to make that like physical connection. You know, like, Hey, this is, this, this person would be good for another thing.
2: It should be said that this person has a relationship with the organization has like, not with the person who's, who's doing the, the, the hiring process per, per se, Mm -hmm. but definitely there was a relationship that existed prior. So I think that also there's that networking piece being called back in, um, because they were able to know that, like to do that redirection work, which, uh. Anyways, yeah, there you go. Well, that's
1: great. And guys, everybody out there, just uh, send us your rejection letters, your acceptance letters, whatever, at willworkforpodcast at gmail.com. Like and subscribe. Like, Let us know how you feel on all the social media platforms. We are all there. And uh, on with the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here it goes. (laughs) Name that job. Name that, Name that job. Name that job. Name that job. Name that job. Oh, man.
2: So this week, we're joined by Maria Lessi, who supports people in all stages of grief. She's an author and founder of the movement Loving Life After Loss. She's hosting, and how how do you pronounce actually the the name of your podcast? Uh,
0: the podcast wow. is Loving Life After Loss as well. But, oh, uh,
2: it's just an abbreviation, L-L-A-L. Yeah, so <laughs> Loving yeah, Life yeah. After Loss, <laughs> that's my fault. I thought maybe it was like Lola, lo, I don't know.
0: <laughs> lo, lo, lo. So that's on I me. Mean.
2: <laughs> and a coach for those wanting to uh, detach from grief and connect with their true purpose. And that's a little bit what we'll talk about today. So Marie, thank you for being on with us.
0: Oh, thanks so much for having me.
2: How do you kind of define your career? I know you mentioned in some of your things that you, like grief counseling seems to be separate from what you do, but mm. but yeah, can you tell us a little bit about um, this movement that you're building and, and, and how you got into it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I I actually my my background way back is advertising, and when I started a family, I decided to leave that um, because I've never seen anybody successfully combine a career in advertising and having a family. And I literally stumbled into the world of self-development and started my own coaching business. I was always very focused on mindset. That was my main thing. I love, you know, shifting people's minds and helping them have different perspectives about things. So it was always about the personal growth to achieve business growth. And seven and a half years into it, my husband went on a business trip and never came back. So that really completely threw me off track as you can imagine and I closed down the business how I started this movement was because of my background I just knew how to handle things differently and that came in so handy like I knew instantly I wanted to create the happiest life possible for me and the boys and our boys were only 10 and eight you know like losing their dad at such a young age I I just it really, that, that was the one thing that really pierced right through my heart. Like I had to deal with my own grief, obviously, but seeing them lose their dad so early, that that was the hardest part. So they were my absolute driver from day dot. I knew that I wanted to offer them a life that they will love. And that's that's how it all started. So that was basically the seed that planted everything, you know, that that huge adversity in our lives that I knew. That was the starting point and not the end.
2: Is is that kind of one of those where you're you're trying to I, I guess my question is like, why would you choose then to like be in this grief space? Like does that does that make it that so that you're still living into that on a daily or or have like is it more of like you've gone through that process and so you're trying to show others? I'm just curious like mm-hmm. how you chose that.
0: I think it was a step by step for me, walking out of grief, stepping out of grief and um taking others with me so i felt like when i started this movement it all started because i wrote down my story i literally felt like i had to tell my story because i could tell from how people reacted to me that i was handing grief very differently to what society offers us you know society offers us you're a widow you're supposed to fall apart and your life is over and i knew that i would not fit that stereotype you know like i love life and Rob and I loved life together, so that would not change after he passed. I knew that this was like keeping his legacy alive as well. Our whole life was about love and connection, so I knew that had to be carried on. And by how people reacted to me, I could see that they were like, oh, she's still in shock or she's in denial. And I'm like, no, I'm freaking loving life. And people couldn't understand that I could do that while I was grieving. But with me focusing on healing, on happiness, on hope, on creating something different, the grief was something that happened along the way. And most people do it differently. They focus on the grief and then nothing happens along the way because their only focus is grief. And that's really sad and that's dragging you down and it's keeping you stuck. And so I did it differently. I wrote a story. You know, I shared my story in a book. And that was actually the title, Loving Life After Loss. And when the book was published, it it became an Amazon number one bestseller and it also ranked in the top 100 of Australia. And I was like, I've got something the world needs. This is incredible. I didn't expect that. It was just our story. And um, then the boys and I travelled around the world for two months, like just creating happy memories and, and doing stuff that we really wanted to do and getting away from all the first milestones And while I was traveling, I knew I had to do something more with it. And that's when I turned it into a movement with the same title because it was just so perfect, you know, Loving Life After Loss. The focus is on loving. It's a call to action. It's a description of what we do. It's an invitation. It's everything, you know. So when I started that, I just, yeah, as I said, you know, I was only ever like a step or two ahead of everybody else. And whatever I learned, I taught. And that went on and on and on, and I just took people with me. It was such a such a journey together, and I had more and more people jumping on board and helping me moderate the group. You know, I've got three and a half thousand people in there. The group has grown uh, tremendously. It's just, yeah, does that answer to your question? So, <laughs> yeah,
2: no, 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 it does, and I think I think it does it in, in several ways. Um, we talk a lot about mm. purpose. We talk a lot about like kind of finding yeah. alignment and fit, and this this struggle. So, so a big theme for us is you know, when and how do people pivot in their career for different reasons? And I think that I imagine with a lot of the work that you're doing with those that have experienced loss, that they're also on a precipice. They're also trying to figure out what, you know, how do I recognize where I am versus maybe where I want to be versus this life that was taken and I want. And so, like, you know, you talk about uh, purpose-based work with, with, um, with your, you know, movement, and I'm like, do you help others like professionally to to tackle these things or, or make space? Like how, how does the professional life come into this conversation?
0: It's really interesting you say that because I've never really focused on the career. And um, like with what I do now, before it was complete opposite. Before in my coaching business, I focused on the career and i helped helping with the personal growth to achieve business growth. And with this, it's the complete opposite. I really just focus on the personal and the business is something that happens along the way as in... You know, when when people do have questions around the career, that, that definitely comes up. But I love that you asked me that because one of my very first um, healing journeys that I created for the movement was called Who Am I After Loss? And that's a really important question because people always say I'll never be the same after this. And they say from such a victim point of view, and, and that is with all due respect because I understand what it takes um, to lose a person you love so much, but it's also that whole, well, of course you will not ever be the same. You know, this is a huge change in your life and you can take it as, again, you know, my life is over and that is a cut and that's it, or you can take it as a, as a you know, a new direction in your life and think about, okay, who am I now? And you'll see that there are certain values and certain characteristics that are still there. They're always part of you, but there will always be new Uh, new ways, new behaviours, new experiences, new values, you know, your life really does change. Things are completely different after that and um, things that I would have probably been um, annoyed about before Rob passed all of a sudden didn't matter anymore afterwards, you know, because all of a sudden you have this big picture, what really matters in life? And that's love and connection, really. When When you boil it down, all that matters in life is love and connection. And yes, when it comes to career, you really want to find something that you are aligned with because all of a sudden you realize how freaking short life is. We all know it. But when we're confronted with it, we realize it and that's very different. So yes, it will certainly often impact the choice of your career path.
1: Well, that's an interesting concept because I'm I am interested. When you working with these people, do you see a lot of people change careers after they experience grief or loss? Like, what is? I know you don't probably have statistics or what it the exact numbers, but like, do you feel like a lot of people say whatever, like I am going to go on another career path, or what is usually your experience with your with your clientele?
0: It's interesting because when when I hear you ask that question you would think that a lot more people will change it but I have not experienced that in the work that I do I see a lot of personal changes like a lot of like as in you know often it starts with little things and I'm putting that under huge quotation marks like completely uh, revamping your house or choosing different colors for your house or even moving having to sometimes it's having to and sometimes it's choosing to uh, sell your house or downsize um, but in terms of career I actually have not noticed a lot of changes which is interesting because it really does change and not that can mean two different things one people were already very aligned and happy before or two that's all they know or um, you know it might be a too big a step for them to go there because this was already such a massive change in your life that often career becomes that one and only stable thing that doesn't change so that that is my understanding of it but that's just very spontaneous because I've never thought about it before you asked me and this is what comes up for me I think that when we experience an adversity so large then we need other things to be even more stable for us to to keep us stable to keep us yeah solid and held if that makes sense
2: yeah. And I think what I also hear part of that stability, I think is is the community that you're in your professional community, hopefully if you have one in these things, and that's another aspect that you can be using to keep some regularity in a time that is kind of tumultuous. And then even in like your work, like, I guess, I guess this, I feel like community ends up being a big part of it. And I'm I'm curious, like what, what are then some of these practices and steps that you encourage when we're talking about loving, loving life?
0: Yeah. So for me, It's often the beginning that people really struggle with. You know, how do you even start? Where do you start? How do you get out of this? You know, all you experience is immense pain or sadness or all of the above, you know. So it it, it usually starts with rather negative emotions, shock, you know, um, fear often. And, uh, you know, there's all this negativity that you experience that it takes one tiny little shift. For you to actually step out of that and start seeing uh, different things and start shifting your perspective. That is a huge part of everything I do is shifting perspectives. And I I often play a game, if you don't mind, I'll just quickly share that because it's a very, very quick one. And it's something that everyone listening to this can either use themselves or pass on to somebody who's experiencing that. So I call it the color orange. It's a game that I get people to play that really don't know where to start and that really feel stuck. And I say to them, just use one entire day to focus on the color orange. See how many items you can find. And, like, me just looking around my office now, I can easily name 20 items that are the color orange because I just love orange. You can choose whatever color you like doesn't have to be orange. But in my case, it's orange, and I see, like, 20 different things just around me. So... If you play that game for a day you easily find like a 100 items just make a list write it down you always encourage people to actually write it down and then the next day you replace the color orange with the emotion you miss the most and i'm going to go with a very generic one that everybody misses and needs and that's love so the next day I encourage you to walk around and see where can you find love. And love comes in so many different shapes and forms. You know, it can be a smile from a stranger. It can be a mom hugging her baby. That can be a smile from a checkout person at your supermarket. It, it comes in so many different shapes and forms. It can be in a movie. It can be in real life. It doesn't matter. But what it does is it, twofold. So first of all, it distracts your brain from the pain. And it teaches your brain to focus on the things that you want to see in your life. And it's such a tiny little exercise that helps you, It helps your brain form new connections and form a different focus. And and that is just one example of many, many, many tools that I'm using just to get people started, you know, to shift their perspective. And, And it's so simple, not always saying it's easy, but it's really simple to get started.
1: That's really interesting, because I know that you deal with these individuals that are have experienced like immense grief and immense uh, sadness in their lives and you talked about adversary before uh, uh or adversity before, and I think a lot of our listeners you know we deal with like grief sometimes as like. You get rejected from a job or you get rejected from like a something like there's just or you don't have enough money to buy something. And so I think it's those little steps that help you like move forward in your life, because I know we're not dealing on like a large scale, but I'm I'm interested in the clientele too that you're dealing with have these like adversities moving forward like you're never not going to have like little bits of grief in your life so like are the what are other techniques that you help like get over those kind of circumstances as well
0: yeah so i always encourage people to come and join our group because for me the number one thing is to have other people around you who know what you're talking about Often you talk to your friends and family and they're very close to you and they want to help, but they don't really understand what you're going through. They're on the outside perspective. They will never really get it unless they have experienced it. And even when you say like, for example, my my in-laws, I absolutely love and adore them. I'm very, very lucky that I've got a close relationship with my in-laws, yet their grief is different to mine. They have lost a son, I have lost a husband and the father to my two boys. So that already is a very different perspective. Their background is like my mother-in-law comes from Mauritius, my father-in-law from uh, from Italy. In Italy, you would, I would still be wearing black for the next 10 years and not even look at another man. And I'm not even making this about a new relationship or not, but I'm just saying, you know, they've got a very different cultural background to me. And even despite my cultural background, I come from Austria, and, and you know, people also agree for a really long time and really deeply and, you know, like as bad as you can get, and I'm like, I'm not built like that. My focus is joy. And when Rob and I had talks about this, you know, like years ago when he would come home from work and he would hear about an accident or something, and you have these conversations as a couple, what would happen if? And we always said that to each other. If something was to happen to me, I want you to take the boys and create the happiest life possible because our whole life was about happiness, joy, love, connection. You know, that was that was us. We were always that couple that everybody Booked. It's like you guys, you're still so madly in love after all these years. They never understood that, and I just, I just love being that couple. And when he passed, everybody thought it was immensely tragic that, in particular, because we were such a close knit couple, that it had to happen to us. And I'm like, well, why not us? You know, who who makes the difference? Who makes the choices? So when a couple is not that heavily in love, then it's okay. I don't see that. You know, so I just knew that all of a sudden that was not theory anymore and I had to put that into real life. I wanted to create that happy life because that's what I would have expected from Rob too. If it would have been me, I would have wanted him to move forward, have have a life, have fun. You know, I, I really want you to be happy. And this is, this is the, you know, coming back to your question, that what, what other things can you do? It's that shifting of perspective. If I put myself in Rob's shoes, And I look down on my family left behind, you know, Marie and the two boys. I'm like, wow, I'm so freaking proud of you. I'm so happy that you did what you did. And not, why are you not sitting in the corner crying? Do you know what I mean? I just, I would want that. So that's another thing. It's again about shifting perspectives. Put yourself in your loved one's shoes and look at yourself. Would you want that, what you do right now for them? Or would you want them to do it differently? Just go by that. And a little side note, so many people go like, I wish I would have. You know, they go into this, I wish I would have said that, wish I would have done that, or not said that, or not done that. I can promise you, once they're on the other side, there's nothing but love and peace. So to them, it doesn't matter anymore. So you let go too. You just, I know it sounds so, oh, it sounds so easy, but I can promise you it is that easy. Once they pass over, there's nothing but love and peace. That's my belief, and I understand everybody's got different beliefs of what happens after after death, but I know for a fact that Rob is at peace and that there is nothing but love, and um, it is just us who are holding on to stuff that doesn't make any sense, you know. It doesn't change anything anymore. It's, it's literally you may as well put your focus on living a happy life because that's going to honour them so much more
2: yeah i can I can appreciate that i I know for a long time after my father passed, like I would ruminate on the uh on the phone call that I didn't pick up right and like yeah. you just never get that opportunity and those things can like but you're right that doesn't have anything to do with him and his experience and where he is and yeah um and that took a little bit of time but mm. uh i I really like this idea of culture, and I am curious since you have a global movement and you are talking to people from so many different aspects uh, of their grief and of, of like where they're at probably in their life, like biologically, you know whatever's going on. like how how do you address some of those cultural differences or or even start to help people Im- invite the idea of creating distance? maybe if they're coming from a more conservative or or kind of you know um, heavier, concept yeah. of, of, of grief
0: yeah uh, that's a really great question i love that you asked me that because yes there is there are so many different cultures and religions and and different forms of faith out there so two two ways to answer the question first of all i've got a very strict rule like i've got a few rules in my group and i think they're really important to keep that um, community safe and also keep it a safe space to be able to say and share anything and everything you want and that is that is that no one is to make any comments about religion or, you know, people can share whatever they want, but I don't want anybody to go and start a discussion about religion where it becomes nasty, if that makes sense, or where it becomes judgmental, let me put it that way. So that needs to be a really, really open and free space. And I also make sure that I don't make it about religion. People can share whatever they want. And I know that a lot of people talk about God and their faith and, uh catholic or christian background and and that is okay i always say live and let live you know i don't want any judgment about where you stand and the second part is that i have to learn to speak freely about my own without pushing it onto anyone this is my belief this is my faith this is my spirituality and my belief is very simple and, and it took me a long time to actually say it out loud and now i'll completely live and breathe it but <clears throat> Rob and I had a soul contract. That's my absolute belief. And that contract was over. And in that contract, for Rob to pick that role, that was picked with so much love. I have no words for that for him to to literally take that rolling of you know what okay my life will be over by 45 but you will then live on and you will create this movement that will impact thousands of people around the globe that you enable them and guide them in their healing journey this like when you see that from an outside perspective from the bigger picture and say okay there were two souls who picked these contracts there is an incredible amount of love and selflessness in it and I just bow to Rob for having chosen that part. And once I realized that I was at peace with it, I really was at peace. That was a huge chunk of my healing to understand that. And I loved him even more so for that. I was like, oh, my God, how much must you have loved me to choose that part? You know, it's incredible. It's beautiful. And not, oh, my life is over. No, 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 no. He chose that part, so you can choose that part. So you freaking go and do it and step up and
1: share that to the world. So, yeah. That's really uh, I mean, this is very soothing. Hearing you talk about how you're able to express your love to your husband and like how, how all this helped you deal with all of this. And I'm really interested about you. I'm really interested in what characteristics that you feel you have that make you a great grief, grief counselor. Like how, how do you, feel that you've come to understand this work better and like you facilitate it better because of the, some of the as, aspects of yourself
0: I, I just have to say just for the record for a little disclaimer I'm not a grief counsellor I'm a grief coach and I have to say that because there might be a lot of counsellors listening going like hold on she's not a counsellor Uh no my background is coaching and I think what makes me a great facilitator and a great guide in, in all of this is that I've lived and breathed through it and I am a shining example of using my own tools and really, like, you know, often uh, coaches or or even counsellors get taught something but don't really use it in their own life. And I've used it. I've come through it. I really feel that I am at peace with where I'm at. And every growth journey always brings these new levels and new layers. And I'm still working through a lot of those layers. That's part of growth, you know. Only two, three days ago, I had a session um, with my coach and he reached out to me afterwards and said, you are freaking amazing what you've just done. Like we, we had to present our work that we did, you know, and I presented about February and I published my second book in February, which is Happy Healing. And I've done my first TEDx talk in February, which is redefining our image of a widow. And I thought... I've been sick, you know, and I've been doing nothing. And then when I looked at what I've done, I'm like, you've done so much, Marie. And he reached out to me and said how amazing he thinks I was. And I burst into tears. It really touched me, you know, because I realised this is part of what I'm missing. Rob was the one who would always go, like, babe, I'm so freaking proud of you. This is amazing. I don't have that anymore. And to hear that, I realised how much I missed that. And he made me cry. And I was like, wow. So yes there is there's still growth, there's still healing, there's still layers, yet I've done the big chunk of it, you know, and that's that's why I think um I'm now two to three to four to five steps ahead of everyone in terms of where I'm at with the journey, and that's why I find it really easy to hold space for people. I feel whatever I learn, I instantly put into a new journey a new program I've got healing journeys programs retreats that I run I just love it I love working with people because I feel I've done the journey and it's so much easier for me to see it from the perspective where I'm at now where they are at so I find it easy to pick them up
2: Yeah that's wonderful um I could I could see for those that are seeking and and just you know stuck in some of those really difficult questions um, the benefit of having someone to guide them through that process would be. Um, if anyone was curious about finding your work, whether it's the the book, the podcast, um, this group that you've spoken to, where can they
0: find you? I think the easiest starting point is my website. It's my first name, last name.com, MarieAlessi.com, because from there they have all the links to the to the free healing journey that I have in my group, to the group, the two books, my TEDx talk, my retreats, my everything, they can book a chat with me. So they find everything on that website. And I think that's the starting point, really.
2: I think on that, I was going to say thank you. We really appreciate such an early morning. I'm sure, like, you know, we, we were glad that you started with us. So <laughs> yeah, thank you thanks so much. No much.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah. So um, what was your takeaway? I thought it was interesting to hear how her, through her experience, that that people don't usually change careers, and I think, like she said, it's you would think it's the opposite, but it's actually not because you want things to stay the same at least for something in your life, right? You need, you want to have some sort of control. So yeah, I thought that was yeah, and I, I
2: guess I found that I found that surprising because it's in my mind, and maybe that just speaks to you know aspects of life, my own life, but I would have thought the catharsis would have maybe opened that opportunity just because of so many people we've talked to who've done other type of alignment work or purpose work or like connecting with self where all of a sudden they're like, you know, to the, to the point of a carpe diem right. or, you know, whatever. Right. Like, okay, great. I'm going to go like, you know, I don't know. Did you ever see the, uh, the secret life of Walter Mitty as an example? Now granted there's no grief in that. I don't know. Y'all go, it's a nice little Ben Stiller flick. Um, but you know, like he goes like travels the world and gets to the end of it and whatever it's this thing. But, uh, I, I guess I was expecting that as part of this story and I think right. it, yeah, I think I think for most people in, in the more practical alignment, you know, isn't necessarily to just leave everything. It's more about, like, reestablishing myself in this new reality, yeah?
1: Yeah, it was definitely a shock to me that that is what she has experienced in her, during her work. Um, and I thought that her exercise where she did with the colors and then, like, switch them into, like, emotions... I actually think was very useful. I think it's I think it's something that can be implemented on like a big scale or a small scale. So I thought that was actually like a really helpful um exercise that you can go in go with. Yeah, the
2: self-awareness, you know. Right. It's it's like first first like build the self-awareness of like noticing things and then map it to something that you're wanting. So whether that's, you know, yeah, in our in our context, so often talking about the job that you're looking for or the next opportunity, it could also be about like how I'm feeling today. Yeah, I think that was cool.
1: Right, it could be like okay, you got rejected from the job, but a little like happiness could be somebody replied to you, or there was like a little thing that I can like identify as a part of my overall happiness scheme. So yeah, it was a it was a very useful thing, and her story was beautiful, or like just the way that she told it and how she was resilient from it. I was just in awe of her most of the time while we were talking to her. So yeah. She holds space for herself and she holds space for others simultaneously
2: in a really, really beautiful way. Totally.
1: Yeah. And we hope that, you know what? We have all holding space for you out there and we hope that this was helpful and that you can use some of these exercises and that you'll, you know, remember that all the happiness within your life and until the next time, we'll be working for you.